I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Right, what a day. Let me have a look at my portfolio. Sorry, I've only just got back from work, so I'm just kind of looking through. And what have we got? We've got some big moves in the NASDAQ. That shouldn't surprise anyone. At the moment, I'm looking at Tesla up 18%, just down from 19% a minute ago. Amazon up 4%. Palantir 7.5%. GameStop up 25%. Um... AMD up 6%. I think everything's just starting to tail off at the end of the day. Are people taking profit? It looks like it because I think these stocks have been up a lot higher today. Uh, AMD 6%. I'm Alphabet 1%. Alibaba up 5%. Nice. Uh, I did want Alibaba to do pretty well. So, do you know what? Um, bit of a strong day today for the NASDAQ. A bit of a rebound. What do we reckon? Is this going to stay? Is this Nasdaq rebound here to stay, or is it just a bit of a, a dead cat bounce? What do you reckon? It's, it's Tuesday, right? It's just a normal Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday, Zach. I mean, it's a normal <laughs> Tuesday on stock on stock tweets, right? They have this theory where on Friday everyone sells, <laughs> and then on Tuesday <laughs> we go up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Friday Friday sell off on the Tuesday, right? That's, <laughs> that's what we're having. But everyone's buying everyone's buying back into tech stocks yeah value i will say uh value stocks haven't really gone anywhere so that's that's all right um what are we seeing someone come up with something what are we seeing here are we seeing tech just bounce back massively or not it's all gonna be all right paul it's um david tepper said so at the end of last week uh the chaos that was coming from the 10-year bond moving very slightly to 1.5 and causing everyone who'd probably paid too much for stocks to start thinking, whoops, uh, that's apparently going to be okay until at least September, anyway. Because uh, David Tepper said two things. One is that the 10-year bond being at 1.5% means that it will be attractive to, I think, Japanese investors is where he was looking particularly, which means it will probably hold there for a little while without kind of running away further and further up. And the other thing is that the Fed will do nothing, uh, at least until September anyway. So, uh, yeah, ask me again in September, and then I'll tell you something else. But also, Does anyone, right, two questions. Two questions. That, who's David Tepper? Tell me who David Tepper is. Steve, I'll tell you that. David <laughs> Tepper is uh, he's the head of. Uh, oh, I don't know if he still actually runs the fund Appaloosa Management. I think it's quite. Uh, it's almost. It's almost shuttered now, isn't it? I think. Um, I think he's only got a few clients left in it. But basically, he is uh, a man who's quite famed for um, when he talks, the market seems to listen. Um, and and yesterday he came out and said that um, it's a great time to be in stocks. He, he He's very bullish stocks. He still thinks they're all pretty cheap. And, um, well, the market's responded today. Um, but one of the things I, I was just going to say, I think it's rather weird that it, there's this thing where people either buy bonds or they buy super overvalued tech stocks. And I, <laughs> I don't really see, like, wh- where's the in-between? Like, who who's going, oh, I've, I've completely overshot it here buying all of these stocks at massive valuations. I better go get my 1.5% bonds. 
It's, it's, it's so extreme. And I've seen this a lot, actually, in some of uh, the comments on my YouTube, th- uh, YouTube channel. It's so extreme. It's either quickly buy fucking bonds or quickly get back into... I mean, AMD was the latest one I did a video on. And everyone is like, oh, we need to not be in. We need to be cash, 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 cash right now. Or we need to be all in AMD. And sorry, I got work on my... (laughs) (laughs) We need to be all in AMD and just like buy, 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 buy. Uh, Why not just buy a little bit of AT&T, guys? (laughs) Just... Sit there and chill out, get yourself. But there's no urgency on AT and T. AT and T is going to be there for ages when we want it. We'll, we'll get round to that eventually, and it'll still be at around twenty nine fifty. Yeah, there's a lot of people that said that, haven't they? They said that basically, uh, yeah, it will still be twenty. It will still be just under thirty, uh, thirty dollars in about two years. So uh, yeah, there's no point in going on that. I can always come back to that whenever AT and T might uh, recover. But yeah, you're right. You're right. It's uh, is it is it more of the fear of like. Because I, I haven't checked gold. Did gold go up? Does anyone know? Um, Hasn't gold gone down quite a bit? I think, um, was it the um, iShares spot price I was looking at? I think it was back on to previous March 2020 uh, prices. You know what did go up though? And I know we're bringing it up again. Bitcoin. Bitcoin went up. Uh, it totally disconnected from the NASDAQ, which was very surprising to me. Um I mean, even me, who is very pro-Bitcoin, very pro-Ethereum, uh, disconnected from the NASDAQ, and I didn't think that would happen. I really didn't. Um, so that's just something that I wanted to note there. It went up about... Uh, 55, was it? I want to say 18%. Uh, let me have a quick look. I think it was um, up to 55. It went up about 8... Okay, USD. Yeah, 8, 9%. It's pushing 1 trillion again. Um, or it's probably gone over one trillion again, looking pretty bullish. But that was all week. All week it was going to that. It was like people flowed out of the tech stocks and into Bitcoin or into Ethereum or into Cardano. And it, it was just interesting to see for me. It was just that's just a side point because um, I'm quite quite into Bitcoin myself. Um, but yeah, that would make good sense anything? though, right? I mean, that would make good sense. There's been a good amount of retail money in kind of big cap tech that lately, or tech in general, that's been kind of chasing fast returns from uh, retail money. It seems like a natural place to look if you're on the retail side and you're after something that's going to move soon. Might be Bitcoin, right? Well, I'd, I'd say especially, as you, well, if you're a tech investor and you believe in the future and you believe in innovation and all that, then you must think that Bitcoin is your hedge against tech stocks. So if tech stocks start going down, then surely your hedge against those tech stocks going down would be to move everything into the next digital gold. That It's just a, it's an interesting theory. I mean, I've not got anything to really back that up other than what happened last week. Um, by the way, last week, we noticed some of the big, big tech stocks went down well over 30%. The FANG stocks stayed all right, didn't they? They only went down about... Eight or nine percent, something like that, which is a bit annoying because I think I bought into Amazon probably at its absolute peak. Um, although that st- still seems to be within its flat radius, uh, as what I've far as what I've seen. But um, Amazon's yeah, been doing fine for me. I just keep losing on FX basically, so it doesn't seem to matter what price I buy it at. To be honest, it's higher than it was when I bought it. I'm still in the red. I'll go a bit more in the red if the price actually goes down, but. Eh. Well, we actually had a good week on FX, didn't we? Um, the tri- uh, the stimulus seemed to push um, against the GBP, so uh, British pounds seem to have a good 
effects change this week. Um, probably not good th- enough to make any actual deal. But I thought I was looking yeah. earlier today, and I thought that was starting to put itself back again uh, before the US Open today. Anyway, it makes no sense that you're pumping nearly five trillion into the economy in the next couple of months, and that the, that the, the dollar would strengthen. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. So, the, well, this is it. So, if the dollar's going to weaken, it. <laughs> Janet Yellen, I saw. I think I saw an interview or saw something, a speech of hers the other day, or oh, it might have been today, actually. Jeez, sorry, my head is blagged at the minute. Um, today, Janet Yellen said, there's no inflation. There, we don't know what you're talking about. It's not coming. We're not going to change anything to do with the rates. Surely, if you're pumping $1.9 trillion into the economy, again, um, there's got to be inflation going on, right? Are we seeing that? Is that anywhere? No, she, she's, she thinks she's right. I think she was, <laughs> she was, she was, she also hates Bitcoin now whilst we're, whilst we're on this. Um, so there's a lot of things that she doesn't like in general. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, to, to bring you some quotes on Janet Yellen, she actually said last year or 2006 and two, last year and 2016, she said there will never be another large crisis within our lifetime that will affect the markets and she was totally wrong um, because covid hit early last year not sure i'm gonna blame her for that though yeah (laughs) no i'm not gonna blame her for that one either (laughs) i'm not saying i'm not saying that i'm saying she's just very ill prepared for these events and very willing to just come out and say whatever she thinks so her coming out today and saying what no inflation there's i mean we're seeing it right we're seeing it in stocks we're seeing asset inflation are we seeing housing inflation surely at the bottom line at food and cars and all those sorts of things we're going to see massive inflation there right see inflation is kind of like a silent silent beast you don't normally really see it until until it's recorded so it's not something you can technically feel while it's happening. It's normally towards the end of the year when they say, oh, do you realise that, you know, the price of X has gone up by Y? Um, so, yeah, it's, Yellen's, a, and she was under Obama as well. She was a cheerleader for the economy. Um, <laughs> and she would do, she would say what it takes to keep the markets calm. And um, I think that's basically what, what she's trying to do now. I think um, we with the markets... Well, with with the uh, with the U.S. opening back up, the vaccines being rolled out at record speeds, stimulus in the pockets of um, of American citizens, and it's a lot of money being. being I think it's fourteen hundred, and then it's it's extra if they've got dependents too. So there is a lot of money hitting American pockets at the moment. So it, it still feels like a good time to be in stocks. I think you can forget your one point five percent on your bonds. Yeah, I'd be seriously looking at stocks at the moment. I, certain yeah, kind of stock, I, right? I I'd be hard pressed to look at the opening up stocks at the moment because they've spent so long closed. They've taken on that much debt. They've issued diluted. A lot of people are looking at these stocks and saying, "Hey, this used to be a sixty dollar stock. Now it's a thirty dollar stock. Um, look at it; it's still got a hundred percent, you know, hundred percent to go." And, and they're forgetting that it's probably got three times as many shares in and twice as much debt. I read. Have you um, have you looked at? Anything this week uh, with you know Tesla down thirty uh, percent, Teladoc 
which is one of my favorites has came down about 11 percent is there anything in those that you've thought might be quite interesting i bought a little bit of adobe um that was that was one of the ones that interested me quite a bit um i, I picked it up at just just over four twenty dollars so it's not a great price but it would the idea was that it would be a, a lean-in position that would um that I could build out over time uh, today, um, first day of owning it, shot up nearly, uh, to, I think, 10 or 12%. So it's starting to get back out of the sort of range of where I'm interested in holding it, uh, where I'm interested in buying it, certainly. Um, but yeah, there, there are a few stocks out there. I was interested in Teladoc. I averaged down on Teladoc. Um, today it's gone back into the green, so that was a, that was a nice purchase for me. Um, and the other one I picked up was Blackline, which is... Uh, they're a, a, an accounting uh, automation company, and they're working with a, pretty much all of the biggest companies in America. Um, when you're looking at your uh, really odd stats that we like to look at, like ARPU, the likelihood is that Blackline has produced all of this um, automatically for the companies. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's a nice looking company trading at about 10x sales, uh, which would probably make two people in here sick. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a still a small company at just over five billion in, in the schemes of the American economy and the, the the American financial system. So yeah, I think there's there's plenty of room to grow there. But it's it's one of those ones where you've got to track it and make sure it's getting better value every time you buy it. I do really like Adobe. Adobe's like it's a that's a shit art stock. That is, it's such a good company. <laughs> Everything it does now with the Adobe CC is pretty seamless subscription-based recurring revenue model it's got yeah it's got everything every single buzzword apu rundle all of the buzzwords of 2021 that's coming Um, what software do you use to video edit uh i use a very old (laughs) version of adobe yes oh that's it long adobe then um that is or isn't free (laughs) we found it uh, yeah, yeah, it just I just found it on on some websites. Um, I found it on the internet. <laughs> no, you're, to be fair, I mean you're a user of Adobe software, so it's only best coming from yourself. You know what kind of? No, I I love it as an Adobe user who's never paid for an Adobe product. Um, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> but I do think I think Adobe is so 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 expensive. Even though, you know, when I was a wedding photographer. I still didn't pay for it then because I, I just thought it was way too expensive. Um, uh, and obviously the ways I got it were completely legal. Borrowed it. Yeah, yeah, like lent from a friend. So, so Adobe, hit us up if you fancy sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but um, yeah, their, their model now, because obviously now if I wanted to upgrade my um, Adobe Suite, uh, yeah, I'd probably have to. I would be paying for. It. I wouldn't be using my old um, CS5, CS6, and and stuff like that. I still think those are just as good, which is why I'm not upgrading. But yeah, there's a lot of new features on there which could make my life easier. Maybe if I just paid a lot more for them. But that's what that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about Rundles. It's about ARPU and Adobe. I even CNBC wanted to include them in as a new Fang stock because I think it's probably like eight or ninth um biggest holding in the s&p mm. 500 right now so they wanted they wanted to make fang into f-a-a-a-n-g and they wanted to add 
uh, Broadcom and um, Adobe to it. So that's that's something that um, that's an article that always uh, got me about it, and it's one of the reasons why I started investing in Broadcom on this dip. I, I um, think I averaged in two or three times, and I think it's in the positive now. So I'm quite happy with Broadcom. Uh, there's a lot to it that. Uh, there's a lot to Broadcom, a lot of cash. Um, I just thought it was a nice time to get in on that one. I think Steve W is itching to tell me about something that uh, he's just seen. Just on the Fangs thing for a moment. I mean, am I the only one who thought surely the next Fang edition was Microsoft? Well, actually, Fang uh, Microsoft is in Fang. They actually call it Fang M. Um, but the, oh, the M seems to be silent. Well, they, 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 <laughs> they, they often exclude Microsoft because they say it's not tech, don't they? That's one of the things what? they say. Although it's, it's, just, it's about yeah. as tech Everything's as tech get. these days, isn't it? Yeah, well, they, they've even tried to make themselves more tech with, like, Xbox. Ricardo's and... bloody tech. <laughs> oh, yeah, to be fair, right, I got into a, a, a little Facebook fight the other day on someone. Uh, I hope they'd never see this. But was it? Was <laughs> it? I was trying to... I was trying to say that um, NHS workers weren't getting paid and blah, blah, blah. I don't feel too much about the NHS workers, you know, the 1% thing. I don't get too political with that. But I was trying to say that actually in relation to tech, um, NHS workers are actually far behind, even though they've got a much bigger client base in the UK. And uh, I was just trying to argue this uh, kind of broadly and then i noticed that deliveroo drivers were getting a ten thousand pound bonus this year uh, along with pay rises so i was starting to <laughs> i was starting to try and justify deliveroo drivers as as uh tech workers <laughs> you're technically deliveroo really aren't you but you're just delivering people to the hospital we deliver <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wonder what bike. I wonder what bike they're gonna upgrade to, right? With that 10,000 10, boost. Yeah, man. I, there's gonna be some seriously good Deliveroo drivers. Did uh, they? Um, uh, well, because I also think they got um, given shares as well, didn't they? Prior to the IPO. Yeah, you could also you yeah, as yeah. customers as well. You could um, you could buy them through the app, couldn't you? If you um, yep. If you, I don't know if that's today actually or tomorrow. But if you log in onto the app, you can, uh, you can, uh, well, you can claim some shares, but you you, you have to pay for them, obviously. But mm-hmm. you also you go you go into almost like a raffle. Um, like a, yeah, the, get a free get a free fractional share with uh, with your Big Mac or something like I that. I think it's um, a, for customers. In fact, no. It'll be like that thing on the, um, you know, when McDonald's do the Monop- Monopoly oh, yeah. thing. You basically, yeah. you get your Big Mac and then you peel off and you go, oh, one free share of delivery. <laughs> That's going to go up 10% in a day, isn't it? <laughs> or yeah, 100% on IPO. <laughs> did we get, did we get okay, any idea of what delivery was pricing at? I, I haven't seen any information about them really whatsoever. Overpriced? No. As a real IPO? <laughs> yeah, it was Roblox tomorrow as <laughs> yeah. well, so. Oh. Yeah, mm. Ro- I was going to mention Roblox today because it... Roblox is actually one game that I don't really know a lot about. Um, do you guys know anything more about it? Because it's popular, right? It's popular it's, with the the little kiddies, right? It's got the same kind uh, of... Zach's um... our expert on them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all I know about Roblox is, is basically an MMO. And 
every kid around 10 to probably just over Steve's age uh, plays it. <laughs> Including, <laughs> and I do know, I think I do know Steve plays it as well. Um, but um, I think. More importantly, there's a lot of um, subsidiary kind of companies, including PaySafe, that are going to benefit from this. I think a lot of people are just yeah. focusing on Roblox, but there's, I mean, PaySafe, um, they do all the transactions and all the back-end stuff for all the microtransactions in the game. So, yeah, it's going to be big for some companies, and but yeah, for Roblox, it's a big thing. I mean, it's basically, what's that other game called, the, um, the Fortnite-type hype? Mm. So yeah, they're not small, yeah. and obviously, if it's going IPO, then it must be must be something. Oh, a lot. Oh. So they hope to be making a lot of money off ten-year-olds uh, nicking their uh, parents' credit cards. Pretty much, yeah. I, I was mean, um, loads of... I was watching the uh, well, I was listening to the Motley Fool podcast, and uh, Brian Feroldi, who's one of the head writers on there, he had his, um, I think it was his son on, and to to talk to everybody about Roblox. And uh, he's only like eight or six or something like that. And um, basically, that was uh, me and me and Steve have discussed before about buying um, a stock or, or a set of stocks for um, for our nephews or our god our godsons um, when they for when they grow up. And I bought Disney for my nephew, um, but for Aldi, um, he he's buying Roblox for his son, um, and he's that confident and he is a good investor. Um, mm. So yeah, maybe something in it. Um, I know. I noticed when I looked through it that um, they were kind of like taking the approach to privacy and security that everybody wanted Facebook to do. Um, they mentioned privacy, security, moderation in their S one um, like two or three hundred times, which you know yeah. Facebook probably you can it's probably only ever mentioned it once <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i did i did see that um that was quite that was quite a good thing actually because other companies like facebook are and this is the problem with facebook is it's it's of the damage it might be having on our younger generations everybody's probably seen that graph <clears throat> where it has the inception of facebook then 10 years later, the 14-year-old girl's suicide rate starts to just go up, and it's all based around the um, the introduction of social media. But uh, Roblox was very, very, like you say, it was very, very focused on security. And um, in the, it, uh, in the uh, article, it actually does mention security to children, hundreds of times mm. and they that, that's what they're going for they're going for that that really important part and i think that's quite quite good and it will also uh keep stop the kiddies from like i said paying on paying for stuff on their uh parents credit cards i just want to oh, touch no. on this one because i thought that's gonna keep happening <laughs> i mean <laughs> they're, they're Surely gonna, they want that. <laughs> yeah they're not gonna stop people from doing that because i know a lot of people um i know have bought so much Fortnite hats and all sorts and their parents have asked me, okay, can you, you know, speak to so-and-so? And I'm like, okay, but it's just, it's a bit it's a bit weird because you can't do it because they're, they're almost incentivized to keep buying. It's almost like a... a, a well, I'll tell you what, Zach, I wanted to touch on this and sorry to throw this into you, lads, especially Steve D and Steve W because I've got a feeling you're not going to be into this one too much. But um, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, have been making a big stir today um, on Tuesday because I think last week uh, Niancat went for 900,000 
dollars. Uh, it was something like 300 ether uh, at the time. I know those two don't match up, but I'm just trying to do this off the top of my head. But um, today it's Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey is selling the first ever tweet as a non-fungible token, as an NFT. Um, in, in case you didn't know, NFTs are uh, non-copyable crypto objects. They can't be reproduced by anybody. And if you buy it, then you are the owner of it by um, by, cryptogra- by cryptography. Basically, no one can take it from you unless you make a deal with somebody else for them to take it off you. Um, and so the very first bit of code or this layer of code that's being created for the first ever tweet, it's uh, Jack Dorsey saying something like, just making my first Twitter account or making my first tweet. That is being creative and it's going for 2.5 million the, currently the auction is. Um, the Do they offer fractions in that, Paul? Or... <laughs> um, no, I don't think they did. I think it, oh, it's, it's I was all, thinking that was uh, one buy. I mean, it's my it's godson's birthday on Friday. I was thinking that might be him sorted, but never mind. I will, I'll get a fraction in GM uh, instead. No, no, no. It's it's one big CF C, uh, CEO who's uh, buying it. I can't remember the guy's name uh, that did come up today. But I don't with non fungible tokens. I find it really stupid when you make art out of them so these arts things that logan paul's doing and um Yankat, uh, is uh, really stupid as well because it's just on your computer that's or in your area where you decide to store it but everyone else can use it i know that's the same as copying a piece of art but everyone can just use it willy-nilly in exactly the same way however in games and this i know this is a long-winded way of getting to this point but in games i think that's where non-fungible tokens could really uh, take off um so let's say um warcraft uh, i haven't really played warcraft before but i understand it's a big mmo and um you could have weapons or items in that which only exist to you now they could cost a lot more and they could generate a lot more revenue in these games and i think nfts are going to come to games a lot quicker than we think zach's probably the one to probably talk about with me on that one what do you i think? mean we've had this kind of concept for a long while i mean valve's been making skins for guns in csgo for a long long time and i think there has been limited supply of skins i mean that's how they keep oh. the uh, prices up but because okay. you've got one of non-fungible tokens i guess it's just it's almost a sneaky way of upping the price and trying to magnify you know the elusive exclusivity and um attached Mm. and around uh, one set of you know digital art piece and i'm just thinking now because it's going to expand the the entire art industry now isn't it all those um graphics designers and you know animation animators and i think there's a I, I suppose so. I suppose it's a good... if So let's say if you were a surface patterner and you were... Um, a surface patterner is somebody who designs the patterns on your duvet or something. You know, those repeatable patterns. <clears throat> um, if you were one of those, then yeah, I suppose you could sell... The, you would own clearly the copyright of that pattern, wouldn't you? So actually, yeah, you might have a good point. It's, it's good for copywriting, I suppose, these NFTs. But I still don't. I still really don't get them for art I, uh, because the, the art of the Yankat, the you know, 
the creation of that is already out there. You can't you can't recreate it into a blockchain. It doesn't. It seems like the, you're not gaining the copyright from that because somebody already has the copyright out there. Whoever made it, however. In, in a game, I think in games, NFTs are going to be very important, especially as we evolve into augmented reality and virtual reality. I, I can really see this being a, being a real thing. Sorry we've gone onto a tangent there. It was just something that I brought up. But let's get back to uh, the market <laughs> and the crazy time that we've been having today. And someone who's been really happy uh, with the market must be Kathy Wood, right? Kathy Wood. Uh, has to be happy. Everything's coming back. I don't know how much your arc. I'm, I'm just going to very quickly check the arc. K. How much it's gained today? Uh, it looks like arc K is down still. Ooh, like thirty percent down from one five nine down to one ten, and it's gained probably ten percent of that today. So Kathy Wood must be hopeful that things are returning back to normal. Um, but she must have been, she must have been filling her trousers um, over the past week, right? <laughs> no, I don't think she's been filling her trousers over the past week. I mean, I think she knows that Ark has been obviously front and centre of a lot of people's thinking, and in particular, a lot of kind of new market entrants uh, thinking. But I don't think that's how Kathy thinks, and I don't think that's how Ark thinks. I know their job is to sell ETFs first and foremost, right? But I do think. They're, they're kind of ingenuous when they talk about thinking long-term on Tesla, thinking of it as a car company, thinking about what's going to happen in the distant, distant future, ignore the short-term noise for the moment. And yeah, they'll know they've had a big run-up with some money that's probably not going to stay there for very long. So they'll expect their kind of flows to go up and down and that sort of thing. On their website, they do say ARK is supposed to, or at least designed to underperform in periods where there's big drops in the market uh, and outperform when it goes up, basically. So... I get the impression she won't have been panicking too much. I mean, plenty of people who own Ark may well have decided, ah, sod this for a game of sticks and wandered off somewhere else. But that's the nature of people with short-term interest on things, I think. She, she was on CNBC, uh, I think it was over the weekend, uh, and she basically was talking about that she's not worried about the pullback in tech because the... Uh, it's not a sign that we're going into a bear market. It's actually a sign that we're broadening in, broadening out into a full bull market. So rather than um, sort of the concentrated tech stocks going up uh, and going up massively, Kathy's argument is that some of that froth is coming off the top of the tech stocks and being spread uh, more widely across the market. And her opinion and the opinion of her analysts is that essentially what we're going to end up with is a a continuation of the bull market but across the whole market rather than in sectors themselves yeah that's code for stocks only go up yeah. right yeah pretty much yeah. i take back the bit i said about them being ingenuous when she says stuff like that uh <laughs> that, makes, that makes it hard for me to be honest i was expect. i mean i think probably what she's thinking is ah there's going to be some noise in the sort of short to medium term i think long term she does believe in the stuff that she has um but yeah, I mean, I suppose if I had a job selling ETFs to people, I would also tell them they were going to go up in the sort of near term as well. The thing is, you've got, I think there's there's sort of two types of um, people who go on to CNBC and talk about stocks. There's the people who just go on there to say, everything's all right. I think we're still in a bull market and, and we're going to go up. And then there's the people like Bill Ackman who go on there and have a little cry. <laughs> 
I did, why has Bert Ackman said something? I've no, he, he was just. I'm just thinking back to the Herbalife um, situation when he was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he made a mess. He, well, yeah, he, he was a bit of an asshole on there. I mean, let's talk about someone who has been crying very quickly. Uh, my favourite man, Chamath Palihapitiya. Paper hands, Palihapitiya. Help me out here, Paul. What's what's and, he been crying about? Oh, he sold um, Virgin Galactic out of his personal entirely. Account. Or people are saying that it was was it an... <laughs> hey? yeah entirely entirely. entirely mate. It was a couple of hundred million, probably seven hundred million or something like that. But he's basically lost the confidence of everyone now. Virgin Galactic is his his baby, his original baby. So what made him famous basically, and um, yeah, he sold out of his personal. Uh, stash of it he, he has still got a couple of billion maybe in uh people are saying it's with his friend uh ian osborne or uh, i think his name his personal friend was but i think it's basically kept within the social capital company and uh social capital is chamath paliapatia's big uh company which he sees as the next Berkshire hathaway he wants to consider himself as the next warren buffett he <laughs> believes that everything in his portfolio is within value and uh, an extremely good investment for the future. And to be fair, probably quite a lot of it is. Uh, There's a few good, really good companies in there. But he's a SPAC man. Everyone was rallying behind him. And now he's gone and he's sold out, basically. I mean, what do we think of Tramath, man? I think he's... He's tweeted today, just to add to that that theory. I guess I got my swagger back. Truth. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> so now I'm hoping the market just goes to shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some people. I mean, I, I don't wish. I don't wish anyone to lose any money. And you know, a, pe- a lot of people have been saying to me, like, "Why are you so bearish on Tesla?" It's like, no, I think Tesla's an excellent company. I think it's amazing. I think. I just think it's a bit overvalued and I would like to see the people that are pushing people into a, a risky valuation. I would like to see those people who have been doing that lose a bit of money, but not the people. But unfortunately, that's going to hurt a lot of people at the top who they have been coaching. I'd like the people who are pushing people into Tesla or whatever the valuation is today to actually buy some Tesla themselves. <laughs> exactly exactly and they're not they i don't even i don't even think many of them bought the dip uh, as it were so i i don't know i'm not convinced by these people uh, t- uh kathy wood i know she did buy start buying some tesla at the top of the dip you know when it went down like five six percent but at 30 percent down she weren't buying no tesla and uh, I, I, it was a bit annoying because I watch, I look at the, I look at the Arc deals every single day, and yesterday there was no Tesla in it, and I don't think the day before there was either, and that's just a, that's just a slithery sign to me. Uh, I don't like it, I really don't. So I mean, I understand that this is my failing and not Arcs on this occasion, but I really struggle with the idea of Arc buying Tesla. I mean, they sold like quite a lot of it not so long ago after it had a big run up. This is like pre-split. They sold it at sort of nine hundred or so p split about 800 i think so now it sort of feels like that's not so long ago in the course of a kind of an investing life and now buying it back again when it's about 400 times higher than that or something like that seems to me really kind of weird uh, for a company i get that you shouldn't get stuck on prices and that things change and the kind of macro environment has changed and all that sort of stuff but 
I do kind of think, oh, wouldn't you have been better just not selling it before when you had your $4,000 price target on it? I know you don't like the way that um, ARK Invest makes its buys and sells, but I think from one position, ARK, ARK Invest is very strict on how much it allocates to its uh, ETFs. I think most ETFs are, to be honest with you. And because Tesla is always over 10% and under 10%, they are always buying and selling it. I, yeah, I, I, I get I, that. I follow on from uh, that, actually, because I, I watched uh, Kathy Woods, interview, uh, not an interview, sorry, um, one of those YouTube lectures she does, and she did say... Yeah, she does the update every month. Yeah, she you? did say uh, they trade every day for that purpose as well, just to find any quick trades as well, because they, they, they're scalping, and she admits to that as well. And I think... What Steve's uh, on about there, I think that's what she's doing. She's scalping at this level. I agree with that, and I I I understand that. I do it myself as well, a little bit. But um, I mean, in the sense that if I own something and it drops five percent, I might buy more of it, bring my average down a bit, and then shift it out a bit if it moves up again to get my position straight a bit. I mean, that's probably slightly more short term than I want to be. But I I have my failings and get drawn into these sorts of things. But I mean, if you're someone like Ark, I mean, why would you have a kind of self-imposed rule like that? She's not anywhere near owning too much of the company or anything like that, is she? I mean, it's not like a kind of Berkshire style, oh, I'm about to run over 10% of Bank of America because they've bought a load of shares back and now I own too many of them or something. This is just, uh, we've decided we don't want it going above 10% or something, right? Yeah, she certainly doesn't own 200 odd billion of, of Tesla. So she's nowhere near that. And you're right. The game is... It, this is a stock that may or may not be overvalued at its present point, but everyone's argument with something like Tesla, and I know we're getting into Tesla too much here, um, but the belief is is that in 10 years, it could be closer to $4 trillion. So why not just hold on to yeah. it? You're not allocating any more cap- capital to it. Well, she, she said that she's um, she's about to come out with a new price target. So I assume now they're all currently sat back in the office, um, closing their eyes and smashing the calculator and seeing which number comes out the biggest. Doesn't doesn't she get her numbers from Parik? I mean, that's what I. That's That'll what be I, it. Tesla current share price plus fourteen hundred dollars stimulus. New share price. I wonder what... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you've just written Parrot Patel's <laughs> joke. If that comes out, we know you're Parrot Patel, all right? <laughs> I was going to say, what's Parrot's view of uh, Chamath selling out his space? Uh, uh, he's actually really He's really friendly, yeah. I saw some He really, is, and I think... Yeah, I saw some... He is a bit of an... Yeah, he's a bit... Chamath calls him dad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I, I, I don't know where... Parrot Patel leans on actually in the market. I don't know if he's just an all-out uh, hating on everything or just telling the good joke at, at the right time, or if he's actually got a leaning towards. I thought he was quite le- uh, value investing lean, <laughs> but uh, it, it might be that he's uh, totally the opposite. I, I think know. he probably got there by elimination, right? In the, that he keeps abusing everything that isn't value, and therefore you think, <laughs> well, he's got to be in something. So uh, maybe he's in Unilever or something. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's all in Unilever. Can I read you another Chamath quote? Yep. Go. In, uh, mo- in moments of uncertainty, when courage and strength are required, 
you find out who the true corporatist scumbags are. Ah, I, I did. Him. 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 <laughs> him. <laughs> Literally, him. Like, please don't tell me that's a quote over the past. He must have had his webcam it, on when he was typing that one out. It was, it was actually. <laughs> it's a recent quote, this, actually. Um, is is he's, it? He's oh, man. almost hypocritical. I don't understand. I don't think yeah. he knows what he's writing. Uh, by the way, by the way, my favourite one at the moment was... Uh, I've probably shared it with you guys already, but I'm going to share it to everybody else. It was something like the S&P 500 is up 2.6%. I'm up 3.2%. Therefore, I'm up 56% on the S&P 500. And I'm sitting there going, uh, well, my returns ain't that good. So that, may- But that still makes me 150% <laughs> up on the S&P. <laughs> I'm going, okay, what a sack of shit. Wow. What are you saying, mate? Oh. Uh, yeah, Save. well, we could go. We could go to town on Chamath all day. I think. Um, I'm glad he's in the market for this sort of stuff. It's just it makes it more entertaining, as you know. Even on days like this, when the you know, the, well, yeah. the entire market's gone red, and you get these kind of like little little clowns, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't miss him. I'll be no. honest with you. If he wasn't in the market, I wouldn't miss him. But no. I'd miss Parik though. He's. I would he's miss Parik. Be... Chamath in 10 years is going to be writing letters, yearly letters. He's going to be holding um, investor days uh, and there won't be a Warren Buffett in sight, but he's going to quote Warren Buffett every single time, I reckon. Been, uh, um, yeah, it's going to happen. I tell, I'm telling you, social capital is going to IPO soon or it'll go, it'll go SPAC. It'll go SPAC with Barstool. <laughs> Merge with itself somehow. <laughs> All right. Uh, 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 so yeah, we've had a good day. Tech stocks have had a good day in the markets. I hope everything's coming back. Um, Zach, you must have had a pretty good day on on today, right? Or is Spax, is Spax the part of the markets being left behind? Um, Spax have just gone back down to the nav, haven't they, Steve D? I think uh, one of the Spacks that we were looking at, um, Alto, it hasn't uh, merged as of yet. I don't, I don't know what they what they're planning as of yet still. Um, but I have seen a lot of SPACs go down to about 10-ish, 11-ish. And, you know, at this level, it's just a case where people just say, oh, what's the worst that can happen? You know, what's the downside? And then everyone just starts piling in and then they go back up again and then we wait for the next recession. The thing is about um, the NAV is that everybody says the, the NAV is, is $10. And unfortunately, that was only in a bull market because a lot of people would quite happily lose a dollar a SPAC. Um, to get their money back and go into something else, so the new nav was really nine dollars. <laughs> so it was uh, it was an odd period, really. But there, like, like we've said all along, there is some really good spacs and there's some absolutely terrible ones, um, and everything got lumped into one. So all of the spacs that you would look at and think, you know, they they look like pretty decent companies. I'm I'm talking like Proterra, Backbox. Um, they look like pretty decent decent companies they've, they've got good revenue some of them i think both of them are 200 300 million revenue already so they're not they're not small companies in the grand scheme of things but they went all the way back down to to ten dollars um and i think to just over eleven dollars which is not the worst valuation for something like that protera at ten dollars it was that i think it went down to about oh, 11 or 12 cool. i think protera it's got i bet it's gone up uh, what's it? ACTC. ACTC. A lot of the small caps in general, you know, the penny stocks, they they absolutely got wrecked. 
minus 30%, fight 40%. Oh, up 11% today. What about Aga? Because Aga had a, an offering on primary bid, didn't it? Yes, they did. That held up better than I thought it would, actually. That got, They closed it within the hour, but they only um, tweeted and then they had 20 minutes left. So, I mean, any anyone who who uses Trading 212 wasn't able to grab any shares anyway. Um, because I think the the only ones that were listed for I were in, Interactive Investor. So, um, a lot of people... Is that on the primary yeah. account, is it? Or is that just... Uh, does it work by just... You can transfer them over to your, to your broker. Yeah, they use Crest. So, basically, you, you, you just reserve them on um, on primary bid. They, they act as, like, the payment manager. And then um, you would have the shares delivered to you via Crest, which is just a share transfer system. Guys, I know we're talk- we've uh, just forgot about everybody else because we're just talking right now. Explain primary bid, explain, explain, explain Crest <laughs> for, for everybody as well. Uh, just go through it nice and easy. Um, explain what's happened to Argo. Um, so Argo have um, raised cash via um, primary bid. So primary bid is a way for investors to get a portion of a offering from companies. So when a company wants to raise money via offering new shares, they have a couple of options. They could uh, sell it to an existing investor or they could sell it to management or they could try and attract a new investor on now you can use a service called primary bid which allows almost like a crowdfunded version of buying shares uh, and that's what Argo have done they've looked to raise uh, an amount of money they've um, put their shares onto primary bid and they were oversubscribed within 20 minutes so it's obviously there's quite a lot of demand crest is just a delivery system so all that means is it's the U- it's the uk uh, delivery system for shares so that's what pushes your shares from uh, broker to broker there were a lot of people yeah, Argo, a very very popular stock at the minute um so this is share dilution so Everybody who owns a bit of Argo right now is getting a little bit less of the company. Yes. Uh, that's something that we should explain. But these share dilutions are usually made to grow something. Uh, take it they're buying something. They are, are they, Zach? Um, I believe it's the of... capital for the Texas uh, infrastructure that they're building at the moment. Uh, new machines and um even the land as well but um and they said they're also putting money into a, a company called pluto which is a kind of a big um cryptocurrency um play so because they've also basically moving into a lot of the blockchain side as well not just the crypto but the actual technology underlying technology um so i mean even this rns it was it was almost like a point blank um kind of initiative a lot of the investors had no idea about this and they had a lot of backlash and then um i guess they had to kind of uh, go on youtube and you know explain what they were doing but um all seems well now until the next until the next <laughs> dilution <laughs> they're gonna keep doing it i mean they, right. they've even indicated they're gonna keep doing it i think a lot of investors just don't understand you know that they are gonna and and one place that's really hard to buy um, Argo at the minute is Trader Two One Two. Not everyone fa- everyone's favorite platform at the moment. Have you guys got any opinions on Trader Two One Two right now? I, I've given my opinion. I think, um, and I talk about 
I have to talk about this all the time, but Jesus, they are not doing themselves any favours right now. They're not doing themselves any favours. I saw your video on that during the weekend, um, and I pretty much agreed with more or less everything you said there. I mean, you pointed out that, look, there's a kind of grey area between what's a fee and what's a commission, and you're right, I think, in thinking that, okay, I don't care whether you call it a fee or a commission. If I have to pay it, I don't really care which one it is, to be honest. If I have to pay 0.15% commission, that's something I have to pay. If I have to pay a 0.15% fee, that's something I have to pay. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, when I look at it, it kind of just comes down to what's currently getting me the best deal. I had a look at a few places where you can uh, move your ISA to if you like stocks and shares. I didn't see anywhere better than 212 at the moment. Um, I will keep my eye on things and keep looking at them. There are some that I thought that have been getting a bit of attention recently that I think are quite poor, uh, which are places that, as far as I can tell, just buy loads of ETFs that you could buy yourself and charge you to do it, uh, basically. So you kind of pay them a percentage fee or something, and they stick your money into kind of pre-built portfolios, which are just collections of ETFs. And I can't really see why I would do that, particularly. Um, there's places that have better and worse execution. You may or may not think that matters. There's places that charge you more and charge you less. Um, all of these things are kind of worth considering, but I mean, I kind of feel the way about this that I feel about the fact that 212 doesn't offer, say, pre-market access. I sort of think if my investing is not good enough to overcome a 0.15%, I think it is, conversion fee, then mm. I just need to get better at investing, uh, not blame the damn broker. In much the same way as if I feel like, well, if I can't make money in market hours, the solution to that is not find somewhere with pre-market access. Uh, and then try and do it there. The solution is to try and get better at buying stuff when the markets are open. So I kind of feel like a lot of the worry here is, well, I I see the point, and I don't think it's good from 212, and I've been infuriated by their comms repeatedly. Um, but I don't think this is going to be something that's going to worry me too much. Ooh, Steve W becoming the most popular. I have a feeling Steve's, Steve's written a review. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I could be less popular in that I think they deserve a little bit of credit because they could have set that FX rate at anything and you wouldn't have been able to move if they set that at 0.44 which is a pip lower than free trade they would have still been the cheapest broker on the market but they didn't they went three times cheaper than free trade um, and that's that's in the it's, sense it's that is them. Times, it's three times cheaper. It's three times cheaper. But I suppose what everybody would argue against on that one is when does it become only two times cheaper, or when does it actually become not point four four? How far are they going to go? How, 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 when does this get? Does this just get worse? This is pure economics now because, say for example, you have a product. And you know for a fact it's worth $10. And you're okay paying anything under. And anything, say for example it's $6, that $4 you benefit and you're like, okay, that's fine. And I think it's that same game that Trading 212 is playing. They're playing that game where, okay, if they know that it's no point four four with um, free trade, anything under is going to be absolutely fine, even if it's no point one five percent Like People like me are not complaining because we... Well, as I would say, we as I, I value having access to data and understanding it in millisecond seconds. So, because I opened up um, Interactive Broker, and I went, 
I uninstalled it as soon as I opened it. I was thinking, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm going to spend 10 <laughs> minutes deciding what on earth am I looking at. Yeah. Where in Train 212, I know exactly what I'm looking at. The graphs are there. The information is so easy to understand. You can make trades or whatever, and it's going to benefit so many different people. But, you know, when it comes to, like, the alternatives, as people are saying, okay, they're going to move to IBKR and other... Like, do you not value your time when it comes to understanding stocks and, you know, information faster? In, opening interactive brokers is like opening the past. Yellow um, pages. Yeah, it's absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's disgusting to look at. Um, and that's that's what I like about trading 2 and 2. I like the fact that it's on my phone. I can access it when I want to. I can use the web app, which is perfectly functional. Um, if I have to pay 0.15% fee for that, that's fine on the provisor that they do what they say they're going to do they're going to use this to improve customer service they said that they wanted to get yeah. uh, the answering on live chat down to under 30 seconds um they want to um they, and they want to use the rest of it for development so hey if they do that i'll pay a 0.15 percent fee for that um but now it's game on for the other brokers, isn't it? The the other brokers have got an opportunity here. Now trading 212 was very difficult to to equal. It's become um, somewhat easier to equal. Yep. Now that I've dragged everyone yeah, so onto thinking that trading 212 is great and persuaded them all to stick up for it, let me tell you what I really think. I hate 212. <laughs> um, I am absolutely <laughs> livid at the way that 212 moves pretty much day by day from saying, look at this great thing that we're doing. Look at how amazing it is. Oh, actually, we sort of screwed that up. Oh, we need you mm. to pay for something. A good example of this is stuff like ISAs and ISA compliance for a moment, uh, where they said, Oh, gee, we made a kind of mistake on the ISA thing. We have all these stocks available, but not all of them can strictly go in an ISA. Uh, here's a list. This is the list. That's definitely the end of the list. And some people like us who were holding some companies that trade uh, OTC or not on the right kind of exchange for uh, HMRC purposes wanted to say, are you sure? Uh, we think we might have some stuff that's uh, perhaps going to need to be moved out of an ISA as well. And they said, no, no, that's definitely it. Oh, hang on, no, wait. Actually, all this other stuff as well also needs to come out too. Um, <laughs> this kind of stuff drives me insane. Uh, they move so quickly from boasting about stuff to having to climb back down on it that this is what I find infuriating. I can live with the idea that you need to charge us an FX fee. I can live with the idea that, look, ISAs are difficult. I can live with the idea that building pies is going to be a gradual process. But they do like marketing it first and kind of fixing it second. And that kind of drives me insane with 212. That's a very popular sort of um, development um, method now, though, isn't it? It's like release early, let them break it, and then fix it. That's essentially how Monzo works. You're just doing it with our money, no. though, eh? I suppose <laughs> Monzo. Yeah. Oh. I haven't really noticed anything bad with Monzo. Stay away from Monzo. Yeah, I, know. I, haven't, I haven't really noticed anything bad no, with Monzo, stay but away. I was probably quite late to Monzo. <laughs> I know. I, I I find the little um, the little pots and stuff are pretty good, and I find the uh, the transfers really mm. really quick. I've never had a problem with. Monzo yes, someone um, was asking how fast it it is to withdraw money into your bank account. I don't know if Monzo's helping me here, but it is absolutely super quick. I just do it on um, trade two one two, and next day it comes into the bank. I don't know. What, from trading 212 to Monzo? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah it's like next day, 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 day. next day for me. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, is Monzo the company that the most of us own? Yes. Investor. 
Three of us do. I think that's probably about. I mean, someone like Legal and General might be similar that about three of us own it, but I guess it might just be because <laughs> the ones of us that own it can't sell it very easily. But <laughs> yeah, I th- <laughs> it's very very hard to sell most of. But on trading two or two, so we're thinking that this might be a bit of price discovery. This uh, this uh, bit of uh, fee fee thing that they're, they're going to continue to raise the fees just very little see how many people leave i think so, so it's like it's like sort of it's like sort of turning the tap on and off a little bit where they just they just open the tap a little bit and go oh that, that's too much we're, we're losing too much now quick 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 back it up a little bit they've um, got, they've got all the they're doing that with their development they're doing that with the features that they're releasing and then they're now doing it with the fees so they've raised it to 1.5 percent uh, on pretty much any movement you can do in um, trading two one two now, uh, if enough people stay, does it just go up to two percent? I I or, think so. Yeah, more point two. Basic economics, isn't yeah. it? I, I'd be interested. Think, to and you see think that. you're kind of happy with that? I I I, I don't happy? personally see that myself. I, I think they've got a very sort of sustainable model now. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I'm more interested in them spinning out the invest in ISA side and leaving the CFD side in the dust somewhere. I think that's a, a better model. I think the CFD side, especially in this bull market, is unnecessary risk for T T two one two, and I think mm. they think it too, considering they've they've only just opened it back. I think it's been closed nearly since Christmas, hasn't it? And it's uh, they've only just opened up about a hundred stocks in a normal market. In a normal market, CFD must be so so good, right? For them, it must make so much money. That's what they've built market. the business on. That's what I find annoying. Yeah. I mean, they're really good at firing in notifications at us trying to get us to do stuff. I mean, in kind of either CFDs or invest accounts or Steve whatever. Steve W going to town right now. <laughs> Steve, Steve hates us. Stalls. So, I mean, By the way, I completely agree. I agree. Steve hates I mean, they can do stuff when they want, right? They can send us notifications saying Tesla's up, Tesla's down, buy stuff, sell stuff, gold's cratering, everything else is happening. Oh, you can, you can get that bit to work all right, huh? Um, but say <laughs> it's now taking about four months to pay a dividend, some of which are getting paid incorrectly. Uh, that sort of bit. Let's let's worry about that less. Make the people press that button to buy things more often. Is this the JP Morgan? Are they as bad as Are they as bad as Robin Hood for gamification? Do you think are they are they, are they gamifying trading and uh, investing? Because I, I personally think they have got a good balance. I I personally do think they've got a good balance. Uh, but then I can very much see through the notifications that uh, I must have got two or three notifications today say Tesla's up 50, 15% quick grab it now before this is your last chance um, I'm not 100% convinced it's my last chance to <laughs> but I'm <laughs> also not convinced that was a notification <laughs> I was going to yeah. mention that yeah. notification well, it's different again, though because it becomes uh, almost solicitation when they're charging the fee doesn't it I think that's a, that's a little bit dodgy when the fee comes in I think those notifications have got to be really really different um, I wouldn't mm. be surprised to see them uh, well they won't go away uh, Trading 2 would, wouldn't take them away they would wait for the regulator to tell them to take them away um, they, they must work right they must ha- uh, they, the, um, they, they must are these work. the notifications for when stock goes up yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Or I, down. I think, I think today, I think today it was something like four, uh, Nasdaq's up three percent. I do think they came from the CFD side you, as well because it tells you when it comes have you from noticed, the CFD account audience. Have you noticed they never do the OTC stuff? <laughs> this yeah. so and so uh, stock is up four thousand yeah. percent. Are you in? <laughs> 
Uh, quick, <laughs> quick, uh, get, get your get into your FTSE aims, Scott. <laughs> we'll, we'll satisfy the trade. Quick, so, quick. Unknown biotech up four thousand percent. We've locked off yeah. the sale. And if you buy two more shares, <laughs> if you buy two more shares, you'll get an uplist to the Nasdaq <laughs> by end of the day. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's a big problem. Is a, a lot of people. I think Prof G calls uh, Robin Hood a menace. He, he calls Facebook a menace, and he. Call, uh, by the way, uh, Prof G uh, called him Prof G. Scott Galloway, who has a very good podcast. Uh, I think he's on YouTube as well. He's quite. Uh, he's very good. Uh, NYU Stern business lecturer or previous. Um, he owns. Uh, yeah. He, oh, is it marketing? He owns his own. Um, fund now i think as well and um yeah he's um he he's very he, he's a kind of split between very political versus uh, very investing he's got a very good investing mindset as well um but his political side is that robin hood is a menace all of these tra- free trading apps are menaces uh, with the gamification they're making people harm themselves um I just I don't is... see trading two on two that as going that no. far. I don't see the confetti going everywhere when people get free shares and Can... all that. But I do realise that at some points they've got to try and drag people in and get them to make trades. Does, every it, now does this mean well. that trading two on two can't um, come out with the uh, commission fee trading anymore? The marketing. Well, it's technically they can because uh, a fee is not a commission. Um, yeah. That they will still be able to say it's commission um, free trading, but they won't be able to say it's fee free trading. Um, oh well, semantics. Yeah, it really is semantics. Yeah, it is. Uh, it personally is semantics to me, uh, and I, I try to keep a level head. It's always, it's always tried to keep a level head. Um, <laughs> I'm very much preparing for the fees to go up a little bit more. I'm, I'm trying to set my mindset to that and i and i will look at others i'm not tied to training 212 in any way i will look elsewhere whether it's to start a new isa i think they've got me for another year i think they've got I, there really isn't anything though. Really, i mean i think steve and i have done a bit of a tour of all the trading apps just trying to get through yeah. shares and have a look around them and yellow pages i mean like steak is like it's just awful to look like is horrible yeah orca. I mean, it's awful. Is it? have you used orca yeah, that's awful too. Oh wow! I mean, it's the so, worst. I I'm think not sure is very much a work in progress, but yeah, yeah, I'm not you sure know. I'll be allowed back to free trade. Um. Free trade is <laughs> easy. I think it still is the easiest to use. Yeah, I is think it? so. I, yeah, I, it's I'm easy not, to use because there's yeah. nothing on it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's what, but that's the thing because you. Yeah. Need, I don't know. I prioritize um, trying to understand the data as quick as possible on these apps. Hmm. I don't want to spend entire day, you know, hmm. one stock and just trying to understand. Okay, what's the uh, what's the numbers showing here? What's the you know? Because I mean, free trade is very simple. I think there's just one line of the graph, and I just, it's got some simple info. But trading two one two, I think with its fees structure now, I think if they obviously upgrade and you know keep going, I, I think it's going to be a good thing in, in in the in the overall. That's it. I think I think the the bottom line of it is if free if uh, trading two and two keeps its fee at zero point one five, and it starts being better with compliance, better with communication, and starts releasing features like it was last year, and is stable. It feels like a long list that, but none of us none of us yeah. will be here next year complaining. Hmm. 
Oh. Yeah, I, I think that's it, isn't it? It, it? If it's if it's doing these things, I'm willing to give it a try as long as, you know, we get some good features. I, I would like to see lending and credit cards and things coming out from Trading 212 and even to a point banking. Um it's it's not it's a lot they're a long way off that lending but uh, it's not possible lending money yeah lend, for GameStop shares I don't think lending yeah I don't think lending M1 Finance the American broker already does it doesn't it it lend, lends against the balance of your um, of your investments they lend you money and it's also the only one I can't see any legalities against at the moment I I can't see anything, and it's not hard to create yourself as a lender. We've we've seen all these payday loan so, things, and there's a lot of. So what we're saying here is we can price. use leverage to buy stock. It's not actually to buy stocks. So in them one, they use it as leverage no. for like home improvements or something like that. It's ah, all. It's basically a, yeah, a proper it's, lender it's, against the balance of your uh, portfolio. Yeah, it's it's lending it's lending against your assets within your portfolio. So they they automatically have the collateral from you. Uh, you might be playing a bit of a dangerous game there, and you might want to get a good uh, fee out of it. But it, it's not bad if all of your invest if all of your money is in trading two one two or in M one finance, then you've actually got quite a you know you can actually use that money for a dual purpose you can use those assets for a dual purpose you can lend against it if it's necessary i would probably personally say from a financial point of view you shouldn't be doing anything like that but i know it would make um some more money for a, for a investment. yes it makes sense if you're making seven percent a year and they offer you a loan at three percent it's better than you taking the money out the market i know that's a very basic and easy way of of describing yeah. it, but that's what essentially the idea is. <laughs> what about EMC so could you take your Tesla shares and then like leverage them to buy an actual Tesla? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, basically. Or uh, solar. I wonder how many people on M1 have actually done that. I suspect they're probably more leveraging their McDonald's shares to buy a McDonald's, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just point out here that we're being very crude about this. Um, there, this would be a lot more complicated and would not be as simple as we are just explaining right here. There's there's a lot more to it. But um, essentially, yeah, that's what M1 Finance is one of the things that m1 finance does i think they've got three tiers of accounts like gold silver and bronze and you can it, it allows you a, um, a lot of different things right uh we've gone on 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 a lot there um one hour and five minutes in and i'm probably gonna have to cut out one or two jokes that you'll never hear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, um yeah we um we've we've talked a lot there about quite a few different topics i think uh, we've been quite fluid through there as well and um yeah let us know what you thought about this little trading 212 chat at the end because we didn't know this was coming we've just ended up just chatting about it really um thank you very much for making it as far and uh listening to the podcast today uh you can listen to this podcast on apple google audible and the other one spotify and um also you can see it on the youtube channel and if you have any questions or comments or you know want to say anything nice and or say that uh steve d's got a lovely chocolate voice or anything like that um Leave that uh, comment on the uh, YouTube channel. And (laughs) (laughs) once again, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks.
The sucker's going up.